Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the official Redbird Rants podcast. This is episode number 34. I'm Michael Miles, one of the editors over at Redbird Rants. I'm joined tonight by one of our contributors, Christian May Suzuki. Christian, how are you? I'm doing all right tonight. Uh, a little conflicted over this game, but hey, it's still fun to watch baseball. That's right. Save it. We'll get to it. Don't don't put the cart before the horse. <laughs> we are also joined tonight, Christian, by the other editor over at Redbird Rants. And it's tough to even say the other editor because it's not like he's any kind of other. He is so wonderful. And uh, we're joined tonight by Tito. How are you, Mr. Tito? I'm doing all right. Uh, I'll be honest. I've been been kind of uh, lax on watching playoff baseball, mainly because the Cardinals aren't in it. So this will make a fun podcast tonight. It will. Now, I'd like to ask you a question, Tito, right as we go into this and before we even get into any of our actual topics of conversation tonight. But, Tito, and I, I don't want to put you on the spot, and I'm sorry for that, but I, I think it's important for our listeners and for the world just to hear. Can you give us any update on conditions or update at all about your family in particular down in, in Puerto Rico? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's pretty easy to understand now the gravity of the situation um, unless you're uh, removed from society. Um, Puerto Rico continues to suffer, and as many parts of the, you know, the United States do, you know, especially Houston, Miami, but Puerto Rico is still suffering and, you know, you know, I got word today that, you know, my grandparents' generator is now broken. And so there's a possibility that they'll have to actually leave the island um, and, and visit, you know, my family for some extended time during, during the holiday season, you know, starting, in, starting at Thanksgiving. And, again, it just, it just goes to show, you know, the, de- you know, the devastation, you know, the dire circumstances that these, you know, these people are going through. And, and I think it's important to always remember, you know, these are American citizens and they need our help as, as always. So if, if you've donated or please, you know, continue to donate. And if you're still trying to find some time to donate, please do that as well. Uh, visit redbirdrants.com and look for any of my Hurricane Maria update posts. You can um, you can donate from there, or you know you can find your your own way to help. And uh, but I think you know just keeping you know Puerto Rico in your thoughts and prayers is, is good enough at this point. Um, you know there's not much we can do. And you know today Derek Gould released a a great article about Yadier Molina going to help out in Puerto Rico. So I, I encourage everybody to look at that on stltoday.com. Yeah, and thanks, Tito. I really, like I said, I didn't want to put you on the spot, but I, I do think it's very important for people to hear the story. 
and really important for our followers uh, who have been with you and thinking about you and your families, myself included. I'm sure Christian as well. Just just to hear an update. It's not the news we wanted to hear, but it's real news, and it's something that we. I don't want us to shy away from. I want us as Redbird Rants, and I really want us as Americans to say this is real. This is what's going on, and until we admit that, and until we all pitch in, it's just not going to get any better. Now, to, no that, fake news to here. that note, what's that? Say that. As as a no fake news here. That's right. No fake news here. We we will come up with plenty of that. I'm sure as the off season goes along, <laughs> but as of right now, and in regard to the hurricane and family and relatives and friends of yours and others in Puerto Rico, we certainly want to keep them in our thoughts and prayers. I'm going to turn over to you, Christian, as as a sort of an extension of that topic before we get into what we really want to talk about tonight. But Tito just talked about the article that Derek Gould discussed, um, Yadier's trip going door-to-door and handing out food. Did you get a chance to see that article, and what were your thoughts on that? Uh, I actually didn't get a chance to see it. Um, as I was looking at stuff for tonight, I actually did graze the, the title. I didn't actually click on the article, but I do think that it's obviously it's, it's really important for players to sort of give back. I think that at the end of the day, it is part of their sort of their role as a professional athlete, as an entertainer, and as someone who's like a public figure to, you know, to contribute back to people that have sort of brought you to where you are. And I think that it's important that, and it just shows the kind of character that Yachty is. Yeah, I agree with you. In fact, I, go go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want this to go understated, you know, the the amount of support from the actual St. Louis Cardinal players to Yadier Molina has been absolutely outstanding, and they should be commended for that because uh, I'll tell you what, when I saw Colton Wong, you know, donate $10,000, he and his wife, Alyssa, donate $10,000, you know, you just don't see that every day anymore. You know, those are, those are Yadier Molina's, you know, teammates pitching in for a cause you know, that's bigger than anything. It's bigger than the World Series, and it's bigger than, you know, most of the time life itself. So, you know, those players should be commended for their generosity, and I, I, could, ne- I could never, you know, thank them enough for what they've done. Listen, I, I don't know that you could have said it any better, quite honestly. Uh, I admire them as well. I think sometimes we as fans become very callous to the fact that baseball players make the type of money they do to play a a game, a sport that they work very hard at. Don't get me wrong, but there's many, many times that I think that we just sort of write it off and we expect them to do great things, but they're people too. And those examples from those players on that team in support of a fellow player and his country, that, that speaks to their humanity more so than anything else. And I agree with you, Tito. I'm glad you mentioned it. I do want to reiterate for our listeners, Tito has covered the news of the hurricane relief and our efforts at Redbird Rants very well over at our site. Please check those articles out. They do tell you how to give, and they, in a very fun way, as the season was winding down, they tell you how we as a group came together and 
did something very fun for us, gave us something to look for in a season that was dying away, and in a way to impact parts of our nation that are hurting. And so thank you for those articles, Tito. Thank you for giving us the update. And just wanted to get that news out there for everybody. So, guys, let's move into something a a little more upbeat, if we can. And, Christian, I want to start with you, because right before we went on the air, you and I were having a conversation about the game that's currently taking place between the Chicago Cubs and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Let me say, before I ask you this, that a couple of seasons ago when the Cardinals were playing the Dodgers, I despised Los Angeles because I called them Mickey Mouse. I, it was just, it, they usually are so obnoxious. And I think that is continuing them being obnoxious. But I tell you what, this is just for me. I am rooting for them harder than I ever have. Christian, what are your thoughts on this competition between the Cubs and the Dodgers? You know, I'm pretty much right there with you in that same kind of boat. As a guy living in Los Angeles, I have to deal with the obnoxious Dodgers fans all the time and it like, only upticks with the addition of the obnoxious outfielder Yasiel Puig obviously so at, but I mean at the same time it's the Cubs there is there's something deeper to the hatred of the Cubs than than just personal sort of things there it's it's sort of a cultural thing that's been ingrained in me from my father you know it's a very it's deeper you know it, Obviously, I'm sure Cardinal Nation can understand. I'm sure everybody in this podcast can understand. There's just something deeper about the the hatred with the Cubs than any other team, no matter who it is. So then who do you have in this series? Do you you have the Dodgers picked to silence the baby, baby bears, or do you have a really close battle, or do you have the bears coming out on top? Go ahead, Christian. I mean, here's how I how I see it. I, I think it was, I don't remember if it was the 2006 or the 2011. It was one of those World Series documentaries. I think Bob Gibson was reflecting on one of the series that they lost. And he said something like, he thought, I thought we were the better ball t- club, but, you know, the better ball club doesn't usually win. You know? 2006. I, it was 2006. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I think that the Cubs all around are a better team. I think that they're seasoned. They have more experience. But I think that the Dodgers have just sort of caught fire at the right time. I mean, if you look at just what's happening right now, at the end of the day, as much as I want to hate or deny it, I mean, they're just getting the right hits at the right time. And whether it be on Hendricks or Lester or whoever, I mean, they've just been getting the right hits at the right time. And, I mean, that's really all you need in playoff baseball. Let's turn over to you, Tito. What are your thoughts on the Dodgers and Cubs series, and who do you have picked? Yeah, so this has been, I'm, you know, this has been a very weird playoffs for me, and, and much like last year when the Cardinals weren't really in it, you know, I immediately lost all sense of caring for baseball, and maybe that's just me sticking to true, you know, true form as a as a Cardinal fan. You know, when I look at the Dodgers and the Cubs series so far, you know, it's just like Christian said. You know, the Dodgers are getting timely hitting from the players, their best players. 
you know, Justin Turner, who's easily been one of their best players this entire year, he hits that walk-off home run. Cody Bellinger has a couple hits. You know, the wild card that is Yasiel Puig, the only team that can actually beat him is the St. Louis Cardinals, and, you know, they're not in the playoffs, so it's no surprise to see him have some success. Now, that being said, you know, I had the Cubs going to the World Series, and that was solely based on how they finished September. I personally thought they were the hottest team in the uh, National League at the time, and, I, you know, I'm not that far off. I, 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 you know, Christian says they're a better ball club. I'm not so sure that they're a better ball club. I don't think their pitching is as good as the Dodgers, but, you know, my I was banking on their offense to show up, and they have yet to do that, and, and that's what's, you know, that's why they're not winning any of these games. That's why they're down 0-2. And so, you know, just to see that kind of come play itself out and see how the Dodgers are going, I, uh, you know, I'm I'm a little indifferent. You know, I, I care if the Cubs win because, you know, I don't really, you know, want them to win. But at the same time, if the Cardinals aren't in it, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's still a failure to me because they're not in the playoffs and they're not contending for a title. And, you know, much like you were saying, Dr. Miles, I, I loathe the Dodgers maybe about two, three years ago, maybe four years ago. Now I'm just kind of indifferent to them as well because, you know what, we can beat them in the playoffs. We can beat Clayton Kershaw. You know, we can beat anybody, you know, but that's, you know, that's all contingent on, on the Cardinals even making the playoffs and playing good baseball. And so that's why these playoffs for me have been very difficult to watch because, I personally think that the Cardinals should still be in the playoffs and should be contending for uh, for a World Series this year. And maybe that's just the optimist in me, and I'm sure some people would laugh. But I, I truly do think that the Cardinals were a better team than, than they uh, performed. So it, it's been difficult. Can you? I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, about your thoughts on the Cardinals being a better team than how they performed. Can you give us some numbers or what leads you to that conclusion? And then I'm going to turn it over to Christian and get his reaction to to that statement from you. Sure. I mean, here's the thing. You're talking about a team that blew, I think, 18 games this year. You know, if 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 the pitching, if the relief pitching pitched how it was in, you know, those middle months, I guarantee you the Cardinals would have made it to the playoffs. They probably would have made, you know, either the first or second wild card still. But still, you're giving, you know, they're giving themselves a chance to win a title. And we saw how Arizona played. And we saw how the Rockies played. You're telling me that the Cardinals couldn't beat the Rockies in a one-game playoff? <laughs> Easy. Now, could they beat the Dodgers? I, I still think they could have. Now, the other things that I, I, I point to – you know, I'm not. I don't necessarily have the numbers. This is just intuition or gut feeling. But I, I look at the team and I look at the at the level of success they were able to have during the season, and it all came down to execution of a couple of plays. And obviously, when you lose, you know, seven, ten games in a row in the middle of the season, that's going to hurt. And again, 
look at what if you take away their division record, they were they were almost six games above the Cubs and the Brewers. And so again, I'll fall back on it. If you can't beat your division, you're not going to make the playoffs, and that's what ended up happening. But they were they can do it. You know, they weren't able to do it against the Cubs as often. But they showed they could beat the other teams, but they, you know, they just fell short, and that's why I think they play, you know, they played a little bit under to, you know, what we expected or what they were capable of. Capable of. I, I think those are very fair points. What, what's your reaction to Tito's statement that the Cardinals could have, should have been in the World Series? And that they could have and well, should have played better. Uh, I'm say I would say I'm fifty fifty on this per se. I'd like to sort of start by say, elaborating. Um, I think that Tito's right in that the Cardinals were talented enough to make the playoffs, to win all these games, but I don't think they were good enough. Now let me explain. I think that they were talented enough; they had the ability, but there's just a, another factor to winning, you know. A guy like Tom Brady, he he's not the most talented player, but he's the best. A guy like Aaron Rodgers, he's like the most talented player, but he's not the best. In the same way, I think that those two things are split. I think that being good, if they were truly a good team, if they were a team that was worthy of the playoffs, we wouldn't have seen them losing – scoring one or two runs against San Diego. We wouldn't be seeing them winning five games and then losing nine of 12. These things don't happen to good teams. They happen to talented teams who might not quite be good yet, but that doesn't happen to good teams. So I think that they were talented enough to make the playoffs, but I don't think they were good enough to make the playoffs. Tito, rebuttal to that? Yeah, I I mean – the first thing I think of when you say talented versus, you know, versus good, I mean, you, I mean, that's almost the saying like, you know, Mike Trout's not the best, you know, he's the best player in the world, but, you know, he's not good enough to make it to the playoffs. And that's part of the team. But to me, when, when I look at the Cardinals and what they were up against, I just – I personally feel like they were a team that, yeah, you know, they needed one or two more bounces to go their way. And, and you're right, Christian, good teams, good teams don't lose to bad teams. I, I will fully admit that. And that's probably the biggest argument you could put towards, you know, what I'm saying is that if the Cardinals were good enough, they should have taken care of San Diego. They should have taken care of Pittsburgh and they should have surely taken care of Cincinnati um, and even and even Milwaukee because I'll, I'll tell you what Milwaukee is not better than the Cardinals. Now they finished higher, but I think the Cardinals gave up at the end of the season once they knew that hey this is over. But they're not they're not a better team than the Cardinals. I, I I just I think maybe what what it comes down to is is that while yes I think the Cardinals were good enough to make the playoffs and could have made a run at the World Series, I think you saw a case of of a bad year from multiple people. And, you know, for all we talk about Matt Carpenter, you know, all his walks and stuff like that, again, I, I go back to, you know, what I've said before on our podcast. 
I would much rather have a guy that's hitting 270, 15 home runs, getting on base, you know, at a good at a good rate, than a guy that's hitting 250 with 30 home runs and you know 100 walks. That's not going to do me any good, you know. And again, I, I you know this fascination with Matt Carpenter at at leadoff is great, but he's not a leadoff hitter. He's he's not even he's not fast enough. You know, you know, I, and I'm sure Dr. Miles, you could probably speak to this a little bit better, but you know, Whitey Ball was built on speed. You didn't have a slow guy like Matt Carpenter in the in the leadoff spot. The team is talented enough to be there. I, I just and I think they were good enough to do it. They just couldn't execute, and and maybe that's working against. Maybe that's a little contradictory contradictory to what I'm saying. But they were good enough. They just didn't have the they didn't have the luck on their side at at, at some point. And maybe it's not luck, and, and maybe they just, you know, maybe they weren't good enough. But I, I, I believe they were good enough. I think you make a really interesting point about Whitey Ball. And <clears throat> the, what I take away from that, and, and I think you're exactly correct, that under Whitey Ball, Matt Carpenter would have never hit anything higher than number six in the lineup um, because of his speed primarily. Um, I mean, he may have hit fourth or fifth, maybe. But really, I think Whitey would have put him lower. But here's the deal that I take away from that Whitey Ball comment. And I think I've written about this before. The Cardinals of 2016 and 2017, from what I can tell, had an identity crisis. They didn't know if they were going to play by Whitey Ball or if they were going to play Powerball, or if they were going to play Mega Millions. They just didn't know. They, the identity crisis is probably, by all estimations, the thing, the thing that kept them from seeing postseason play, in my opinion. And I think that's really what the two of you were talking about when you say they were, good en- they were a good enough team, but they weren't lucky, or they were... Uh, a talented team, but not good enough. Well, that's an identity crisis because if you're a good team, you know, you're good and you play like you're good. If you're a lucky team, you know, you're lucky and you play like you're lucky and you capitalize upon the luck. This team, they were so mercurial from game to game, from inning to inning that they were in a constant flux and search for who they really were. And that's why we're not seeing them. Now, having said that, what's interesting to me is, as we all know, once you get to the postseason, all bets are off. Every team is a whole new team. It's an entirely new season. And what we have seen thus far, these teams that are having a tough time in the postseason are those teams who really aren't quite sure of what they or who they are. And I want to point to the Indians, who I had picked to go all the way to the World Series, but I really picked that as an emotional pick. I wanted Francona to go to the World Series because Francona should be managing the St. Louis Cardinals. That being said, once the Indians got into the postseason, they had a real identity crisis, and they ran into some brick walls because they didn't really know who they were. They started to play differently than they had in the full season, and I we could go on and on about this, but to not belabor the point, let me just stick with they had an identity crisis. 
what we're seeing here from the Cubs, who I despise, is most recently they've run into an identity crisis. And sometimes, by the way, you guys, those identity crises are introduced by another team. So, you know, in this regard, the Cubs have run into an identity crisis by running into the bandsaw that is the Dodgers. That being said, any any other takeaways on this conversation? Pass it over to you, Christian. Uh, I mean, I'd just like to make one sort of point on what you were saying about a talented team playing like they're talented, good team playing like they're good. You know, to my point, I don't know if it's a personal thing. I, I heard Tito sort of mention this, but I saw the Cardinals give up at the end of the season. If you're like, honestly, I don't care how much talent you have on your team. If you give up before the season is over, I'm not going to consider you a good team. That's just not the makings of a good team, period. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, and I agree with you as well, Tito. I, I certainly saw them give up. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, at, at the end of the day, it, it saved people from, from being injured, I guess. <laughs> so we can, we can go with that. Listen, guys, let's take a little break. Um, when we come back from the break, and, and by the way, to those of you listening, thank you so much. If you're listening to us live, we really appreciate it. If you're listening to us as you've downloaded or listened to us on Blog Talk Radio, we really appreciate that too. We know who you are in regard to the fact that we see our numbers, and we just want to thank all of you who are listening at this time. But what we're going to do is take a break. When we come back from the break, we are going to look ahead at the remaining games of the playoffs, and then we're going to jump over to a couple of rumors. We're going to talk about some Cardinal player rumors. We're going to also talk about some coaching rumors having to do with our St. Louis Cardinals. So stick with us. You are listening to episode number 34 of the official Redbird Rants podcast on Blog Talk Radio. And we're back. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Again, you're listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode number 34. I'm Michael Miles, one of the editors over at Redbird Rants, joined by the other editor at Redbird Rants, Tito Rivera, and we are also joined by one of our contributors, Christian May Suzuki. Guys, before the break, we sort of teased the fact that we're going to look ahead. I'd like for you to take this postseason fast forward Give us your predictions of who is going to walk away from these series that are taking place now and waltz their way into the World Series, and then who do you think is going to win that competition and why you feel that way. Let's start with you, Tito. Boy, uh, you know, this one's, this is getting a little bit tougher. You know, you know as I mentioned earlier, I've, I've tr- kind of tuned out. But I've I've still kept along and I've been watching every now and then and and I mean I don't know how you guys feel but boy man the Yankees are on fire right now uh, they cannot do any wrong however I, I'm just not sure if they you know after this you know this game they have the pitching to do it um, the starting pitching I should say um, and that's why they went out and got a guy like Jaime Garcia to kind of broaden that depth. But I, I still think the Astros will win this series in seven games. I think uh, the Yankees will probably win tomorrow night in game five, um, and then they'll go back to Houston and, and uh, 
Houston will win the next two at home. Um, you know, that's all. That's what it's all about in home field advantage. So I'll, I'll still stick with Houston to uh, to take the ALCS. Now, as for the NLCS, um, it's it's just hard to deny how the Dodgers are playing right now. Again, their starting pitching is much better than the Cubs, um, and I just don't see the Cubs beating Clayton Kershaw at all, you know, because he will start more than likely start uh, either game five or six, um, depending on how they do tonight. Um, and there's no reason to start him on early, you know, on short rest. So the Cubs will probably get it to a game six, but it's not going any further than that. So that I'll take the Dodgers there. Um for the World Series, Houston and L.A., you know, that probably would, wouldn't please too much of the baseball gods uh, or the TV, TV media gods. Um, but, you know, that would be a great series to see. Uh, the two good teams, one's got great pitching and one's got a great uh, lineup. So you can't really ask for, for much more. And, and it's not to say that Houston doesn't have uh, great pitching either. So... If I had to guess, um, just based on the way everybody's playing, pitching, and whatnot, I I, I gotta say that the Dodgers are probably looking like the favorites to uh, take the take the World Series this year, and I would say that in, that would happen in six games. Okay, Christian, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, obviously on the AL side. I was originally a Astro World Series guy, but I mean the Yankees have shown that they're really they're resilient of anything. Mm-hmm. I think that just the fact that they've been able to come back not once but twice from these very dire sort of situations has it just shows, in my opinion, the difference between what a talented team and a good team is. But and the other thing is, I don't understand why people still throw fastballs to Aaron Judge. I don't care who you are. Don't do it. It's not a smart idea. I mean, I don't understand how people can watch it. I mean, if people stop throwing the fastballs to Aaron Judge, hopefully you're looking at it, at listening to this, anyone from the Houston National Organization. <laughs> stop throwing him fastballs, please. Like, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for throwing a fastball at the hands, you know, jamming people. But when you have a guy who's that big who can turn on a pitch, you can't do that. People were doing that for a while. People were staying away from fastballs, throwing – breaking ball to breaking ball at him, and, and he was doing poorly. And then people started throwing fastballs back at him. So I really I think that series is going to really hinge on how they approach Aaron Judge. Because, look, you can uh, – he's one of those guys like Yasiel Puig's rookie year. You can – he is really predictable to take out of a game if you throw him the right pitch sequence. But if you throw him a fastball that he's looking for, then you're going to pay for it. It's as simple as that. I've got the Yankees, I think. I think that per, I'm, I might be just liking them because fantasy purposes and just ethnicity. I, I, I'm a Tanaka guy. I'm a Japanese. You know, I like Tanaka. I, I Severino balled off my fantasy team. I like Severino. So I think that they have enough pitching over the next two games, even though it's Keiko and Verlander. To, I think that the Yankees have enough pitching these next two games to really compete. As for the NL... I mean, if the Dodgers win this, it's which looks looking like. I mean, I think that series is all but over. Uh, I mean, I don't 
I mean, I could easily see a sweep, honestly, but I don't want to. I think that the Cubs are, in a sense, too talented. So I'll say Astros in six. I'm sorry, Yankees in six and Dodgers in five. And then as for the World Series, I mean, as much as I hate them, my God, the Dodgers have just, as I said earlier, just been getting timely hit after timely hit. Guys are just on fire, and they have a stellar bullpen. So I would go Dodgers in six. Very good, you guys. Um, I have to tell you, my picks are in the ALCS. Uh, that one's really tough. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with the two, with the two of you. In that, I want Houston to go to the World Series because I want Carlos Beltran to go to the World Series, and because I want Carlos Beltran to win a ring. I also want Houston to go because I happen to really like Jose Altuve which shouldn't surprise anyone who reads my pieces. My favorite type of player on the diamond is a scrappy middle infielder. And uh, I don't know that they make them any scrappier than, than Altuve, unless it's, you know, the cartoon Chihuahua of Ren and Stimpy. Uh, you know, so I want them to go, but I have to agree with you guys. The, the Yankees are on a tear, and the way they played today – coming back from a a 4-0 deficit to just storm back into it, uh, just outstanding. And, you know, I usually really do hate the Yankees because they have all the payroll and can afford to buy the team they want. But they're not really seeing that work in their favor in the last couple of seasons. And and this team isn't altogether purchased like the Tasheras of the past and, and such as that. So, you know, that being said, I, I'm kind of I kind of think that the Yankees are going to beat um, the Astros, and that that's very upsetting to me. But I think that the Yankees are going to advance, much as Tito pointed out to the media's glee. Um, and, and also, I, I believe that the media is going to be happy about that because I am actually predicting the Dodgers to sweep Christian. I think that um, what we're seeing is the weekend in El Central showing up in the way that the Cubs are playing. Uh, listen, we all knew that the Cubs were flawed. We watched the flawed Cardinals beat them enough times this season to show weaknesses. And as you both have pointed out, the starting pitching of the Dodgers is far better than the starting pitching of the Cubs. And quite honestly, the bullpen is where the, the Cubs are falling apart, which is very funny to me because – the media darling Cubs, no one really talked about their weakened bullpen throughout the season. And that certainly came from the fact that they were so far ahead of everybody else that they could hide behind or hide their flaws in, in, in that success. And no one was asking the questions or, or bringing up the topic. But I think we are seeing their flawed bullpen now. So with that said, I, I have the Dodgers winning tonight, and I have them – uh, winning um, game four and sweeping the Cubs who have to now leave as defending world champions with their tails between their proverbial legs, which makes me very happy. Um, and then, you know, like Tito said, I, I think that the East coast, West coast um, media circus that will be the world series will be very interesting. And I, I'm, I, I, like the two of you, I, I now say that, with the way the Dodgers are playing that I just see them coming out on top, but I'm going to say Dodgers in seven. Uh, 
So, guys, let's turn our attention back to the St. Louis Cardinals. It's a very interesting time, and, and the hot stove will certainly heat up um, in a uh, much stronger sense after the World Series finishes and certainly as we approach the winter meetings in December. But I would love to hear from each one of you and see if you have any player rumors that you have heard or that you want to dangle out there. And let's start with you, Christian. Talk about the St. Louis Cardinals and give us some rumors. I mean, I did just write an article about this recently, but I mean, I think that Greg Holland is going, it would be a, an awesome fit for the Cardinals. Uh, I think that we need stability in the bullpen coming into this year. I mean, Nicasio is good, but I think that Holland would really bring in a sort of stability that, like, we haven't seen. He's been very consistent over the last couple of years, despite, you know, having the top. He had the one Tommy John last year, and he, you know, he had that weird finger, I forgot, like some weird finger injury, like cutting himself on something. But other than that, he's had a pretty clean bill of health. Dude throws, the biggest thing, the dude throws strikes. The dude throws strikes. That's the, one of the biggest problems I've seen personally with the St. Louis Cardinal relievers is that when it comes down to it, they like they just can't throw strikes sometimes, and it puts them behind the count, forces us to struggle. And then when they do put it in the zone, they just like leave it over the middle. A guy like Holland is a guy who can generate swings, generate misses, keep the ball in the strike zone, and challenge hitters. And I think that's exactly what the Cardinals have needed all for a very long time. Uh, I love it. Hang on. I just want to interject that a very wonderful moment just happened in the Dodgers-Cubs game tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, kin- the, um, the kindergartner who is on the uh, Cubs team coming out of the bullpen, Edwards Jr., which his name alone indicates a, you know, a, a youthful, spry young lad. His looks certainly good to that as well. <laughs> just threw four balls to a bunting you Darvish with the bases loaded to walk in the fourth run, which just has me ecstatic. I have to just share that. Um, I actually have a a follow-up question for you, Christian. Um, I I thought your article was great on, on Holland and I recommend to our listeners that they go and check it out. But would you share with us what you think it's going to take to get Holland in terms of cost and in terms of uh, anything else like that? And how do you see the bullpen stacking up if we do pick up Holland? Ooh, cost. That's a tough one. Um, I mean, it kind of depends. I think that closers, are sort of a premium at this point. I mean, you got guys like freaking Fernando Rodney out still closing. I think that I don't know if it's going to be now, but I think that closers might sort of inch up in value in in terms of uh, monetary value. So, I mean, I think that Holland might, uh, with the way he's pitched, I mean, he might fetch a he might fetch a pretty penny. Uh, something like I don't know, like. Mm, I'm not sure. I I would say like eight million, maybe ten million a year, like some somewhere in the mid to high zone, somewhere that's going to be enough that it's going to make the Cardinals sort of take a double take before it happens. I'll, um, gi- I'll give you I'll give you a better idea of what I'm looking at the Fangraphs value for him. He pitched 
at an $8.5 million value for 2017. So take that what it's worth. You know, in 2013, when he was with the Royals and just dominating, he pitched at a $22.5 million salary. So now that you know that, what do you think, Christian? Okay. Yeah, let me let me bump that up a little bit. I mean, probably a little bit. I would say he's he would get a little bit more than he's than he was worth this year. I mean, he has been a very consistent player, so I don't think that the Tommy John is going to make it hit too much. But I don't think that there's any way that a 31 year old closer is going to command something like 20 million dollars a year. So I I guess I would probably put it maybe around. 10 or 11, in between 10 and $12 million a year. Now, I guess in terms of how the bullpen stacks up, I mean, if we can – I would really like to have Nicasio as a setup. I mean, if we can get both those guys, I think that would probably be uh, the ideal setup. But, I mean, if we can't get that, then, I mean, I guess a guy like Kyler Lyons might end up being good. I I don't know if he's ready yet, but a guy like – Tui, I think, has a lot of talent as a setup guy or a guy you could put there. Uh, and obviously, I think a guy you could put out there, bring right off the bat as the setup man, would probably be a guy like Brebia. And, I mean, once you get those kind of guys in those roles, I think everybody else kind of just falls in from there. Tito, have you heard any rumors? You know, I think the biggest rumor going around now, besides Greg Holland, is the Josh Donaldson one, we've talked about that plenty of times. I mean, we've even talked about that in, in July. So I'm going to steer clear of that. You know, I think one interesting rumor that, you know, you can see right now people fighting about on Cardinals Twitter is is the fact that maybe Eric Hosmer might be a good fit for the St. Louis Cardinals, you know, in 2018 and beyond. And I'll make a couple comments on that. You know, have living here in Kansas City – and and seeing how he reacts to this city, I would be very, very shocked if Eric Cosmer were to sign for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, I, and I find that – I would find that super interesting, and I know the sports media out here would have a fit about it. Um, they always claim that the – you know, there's no, there's no you know, rivalry between the Royals and the Cardinals. But if Eric Cosmer were to go there, it would just be the end of the world. Um, that sounds like a rivalry to me, so they can uh, they can back up from that comment. But I think one thing about Eric Cosmer that I think we kind of are overlooking sometimes, you know, as he as him as a player, is that he can be very streaky. He you know he had a really cold April. You know, started to heat up a little bit in May and got going. He finished with a, gr- a pretty good year. But the year before that, it wasn't that good. You know, they they you know he's a very streaky player, too. Um, and it, and it kind of reminds me of Jed Jerko. Um, and, again, I, I'm not too high on Jed Jerko. He's like a two, career 245 hitter. Um, and I'm not saying Eric Hos- Hosmer hits that, hits that way, but – he is streaky, and the Cardinals don't need streaky. They need consistent. They already have enough streaky with Randall Gritchick, so uh, I'll pass on that. I think one thing that Cardinal fans should look for if they have an opportunity is Justin Upton if he 
you know, opt out of his contract and becomes a free agent. I mentioned it in July when we did our big All-Star Summit piece um, just to see if there was interest. And, you know, it didn't catch on as, as much as I thought, but he had a really good year, and he's still only 29, 30 years old. You know, he, you know, a lot of people are high on J.D. Martinez, but if the Cardinals can't land somebody big, you know, Justin Upton might be a good fit for them. Okay, guys, let's turn to the actual Cardinals on the roster. Have you heard any rumors, or do you have any suggestions of the people who should be on their way out? Start with you, Tito. On the way out? Oh, gosh, this one's tough. Uh, You know, I think if you're looking at the big league lineup right now, if it if it's me, I'm looking probably to trade Jed Jerko. I think his value isn't going to get any higher than it is right now. He's got good utility. Um, you know, he'll play as many de- you know as many defensive positions as he can. He's got a good bat, but again, I think part of the problem is that the Cardinals do have a little bit of a roster jam. And they just need to figure out what to do with it. And I think Jed Jerko moving can allow the Cardinals to to make other moves to to you know free that roster jam. Is it that easy? No. Um, I think a lot of people will probably balk at how you know Jed Jerko is he healthy? You know he had hamstring problems already, so that could be a thing. And, you know, Dr. Miles, you remember, I caught a bunch of flack for wanting to trade Matt Carpenter to the Yankees. But I don't know about you, but every day, now every other day I hear or see trade Matt Carpenter. And I, I get frustrated with it because I'm like, man, nobody wanted to trade him, you know, two months ago. But all of a sudden he's, he's the worst player on the Cardinals and, all, and let's all just get rid of him because we can. What, do you, what, what did you make of that? Well, I think that's very interesting, and let me tell you why I think that's interesting, because the local paper in my hometown actually wrote a piece, and I have yet to get my hands on it. My father was telling me about it, and in the piece, it said something about Matt Carpenter having reportedly having told the Cardinals that he was not coming back, that he had no interest in coming back, and he was ready for the team to move him elsewhere. Don't know if that's true. Don't know what their sources were, but that's very interesting. And listen, you know that I was on your side. Mm. Yeah, and you know I was on your side cheering for him to go to the Yankees or anywhere else, and I still am. Let's turn to you, Christian. Uh, What what rumors or what do you want to toss out there as people on the current Cardinals who should be on their way out? Uh, You know, this is a tough one for me because I don't know – how you would do this per se, but what are we doing with Steven Piscotty? I mean, the dude at the end of the day, we've had him for a few years. We've tried him out. He hasn't quite panned out the way that the team has wanted. Now the difference between him and Grichuk though, because they're both kind of in the same boat. They've played around the same number of years, uh, playing in the outfield. The difference is, is that Grichuk has shown consistent amount of power, whereas 
Piscotti has not really shown a consistent amount of power. And at the end of the day, I mean, if that's what you're, if you're just going to get a, like a 270 guy with 10 home runs and like decent, semi-decent, not very good, but defense, then I mean, why keep him in an overloaded backfield? Or sorry, no, I'm an overloaded outfield. So, I mean, now the question is what you would do with him. I mean, I don't know how much value he has per se because his peak wasn't exactly – it was good, but it wasn't exactly something for teams to cheer about. But, I mean, I think that if you can find a way to move Steve Piscotti, that's what you do. Okay, that, those are very fair. That, that's fair indeed. Guys, I have a piece that's going to come out. Go ahead, Tito. Yeah, I I, I want to make one comment about the Piscotti. Christian, do you think? Do you honestly think that the Cardinals have given Piscotti the same amount of chances as Randall Grichik? Uh, I mean, I actually wrote about uh, this earlier in the season. If you really take a look at this, this, the way that Grichuk has been allowed to play, the consistency in which he's been allowed to play, he hasn't, Grichuk has not really been given consistent streak of playing time. He's taken out of the lineup quite a bit. So, whereas Piscotti, I see him sort of lingering, or where he, he'll, he'll come out for a while, but he, when he's in the lineup, he will just linger there, and you'll see him every single game. So, honestly, I, I will say, yeah, I do believe that Scotty has been given an equal, if not more time than Randall Grichuk. I, I just, I have a hard time believing that because uh, I think Piscotti, for one, last year showed that he can be a capable starter, whereas Grichuk has just yet to really find that niche. And I think, you know, that's what grinds my gear a little bit about Grichik is that personally I feel like he has been given the opportunity to play. You know, I I think he's been – I think Matheny and Cardinals management has given him the opportunity to go out there and say, hey, this is your job, do it. Otherwise, I mean, again, I don't – I would much rather move Randall Grichik than Stephen Piscotti solely based on the fact that – I've seen more consistency out of Piscotti than Randall Grichik. And, yeah, Piscotti doesn't have the, the home run numbers, but that's not Piscotti's game. Piscotti's a double guy, and that's what he needs to stick to. If he can, if he can hit doubles, I'm good. I, I don't need to see home runs all the time. Again, uh, ask yourself that again, Christian. Would you rather have a guy that hits 270, 10 to 15 home runs, 27, 30 doubles, and 70 RBIs over a guy that hits 240 or 250 with 30 bombs and 60 RBIs. And maybe and uh, maybe 15, 20 doubles. So, uh, first off, uh, I would like to go into sort of the at-bats, I guess. Uh, last year, Randall Grishuk and Steven Biscotti, they got approximately the same number of plate appearances. Grish got a little bit more. He got 442 compared to 401. But in 2016, Grish got 
478 plate appearances, whereas Piscotti got 649. And sure, it's cool that he's getting doubles, but even in that peak year, he got 35 doubles, which is okay. But, I mean, considering how poorly Grichuk played that year, how he got less plate appearances and still got 29 doubles. It just goes to show he's not, he is not getting, I don't think, as much time. And I do think that if Grichuk is given the time and the correct coaching, I think that he will, would be able to sort of develop his craft. But he, he's getting the at-bats, but he's not getting the sort of consistent playing time. He's getting pulled constantly out of the lineup in a way that Tommy Pham was. But in my opinion, it's even worse. Well, you make an interesting point, Christian, when you said that about Gritchett. You said that he, he could develop if he had the right type of coaching. That, that's a very interesting take and one that I would completely agree with. And I think that it, even in, in either one of these cases, if they are sent elsewhere, I give them a month's time before they blossom into the players that we knew they could become if only because they will be facing or be coached by someone of adequate caliber. What do you guys think about that? Makes me think of Colby Rasmus, in in all honesty. Guy that was supposed to be one of the better players in the league can't be managed by Tony La Russa, of all people, and is a waste of the talent. I mean, that's what it makes me think of. But, you know, I don't want to say Gritchick is Kobe Rasmus. Um, but, you know, I, I personally don't think coaches have that much to do with players. Maybe how they handle them and, they, you know, maybe some advice here and there. But at the at the end of the day, the player has to perform. And if the player can't perform, you're going to – I mean, you can't always just blame the coach. You can never just say, hey, I, I, you know, struck out four times today. That's my coach's fault. He's not teaching me how to hit. No, you know how to hit. You're just, you're just not seeing the ball. And you, you both have to figure out a way to make that happen. So, I mean – I don't think I, – I don't know. I, I agree with Tito in that sense. I don't think it's so much the actual coaching itself. I mean, at the end of the day, the hitter has to hit the ball. I think that, like, I was going on about consistent playing time, as I think is important. I think that he gets – he obviously gets at bats, but there are things like he'll have a five-game streak where he'll strike out a bunch and he'll, he'll struggle, and he'll immediately get sat down. Whereas a guy like Piscotti can go on, a, like, a – a horrible run where sure he won't strike out as much, but he won't do anything. He won't be productive at all. And he'll still be in the lineup every single game, 20, 25, 30 games. I mean, Grishuk has, it, maybe it's not so much this year, but last year, obviously as seen by like the fact he got 700 plus 50, 700 plate appearances. Grishuk has never gotten that opportunity. I think if, I think you have to really give him that opportunity to say, even, okay, look, you, you struggle for five games, look, figure it out. Get out there, do your thing. But you can't, like, having such a tight leash on him just because he strikes out a lot, I think, has really affected him mentally and it's made it difficult for him to really get into any sort of groove. And I think just letting him play, no matter he's, I mean, there's obviously a point to where you pull him, but 
you gotta just let, you gotta let him play. You gotta let him try and sort stuff out. You can't just sit him at the first sign of struggle. Yeah, and I and, and I think mine. this and this is I think this is a debate. Had you talked to me about a year ago, you know, this is the same debate that you probably would have had with Colton Wong. You know, young guy trying to get his feet wet in the big leagues. Matheny pulling him every now and then because he just wasn't cracking it up. And look what happens when you actually do get full playing time. And I think that's what Christian is pretty much trying to say. Like, you know, forget that he struggles. Give him the time. Now, the problem is, is in my opinion, I think the difference between Wong and Richick was that Colton Wong was still able to you know, hit for for a decent average. I mean, not not anywhere close to what he did this year, but I still think Colton Wong was was a little bit better uh, or a little bit more consistent of a player than Randall Gritchick. Now, the thing with Gritchick is is that the strikeouts when they pile up, why would you send somebody out there to just strike out. You're giving teams an out essentially. And and I think that's where the Cardinals are coming from. All right, guys, we are at about two minutes left. What I'd love to do is I wrote a piece recently that talked about potential pitching coaches that may be of interest to the Cardinals. What I'd like to do is just get your gut reaction on what type of pitching coach Cardinals are looking for. And and I'm going to give each one of you about 45 seconds to just sort of wrap that up and share with us who you would like to see as the pitching coach and why. Let's start with you, Tito. Sure. I, I, I wrote about this, you know, in my second, you know, my part two of the end of the presser conference. The Cardinal, it's very simple. The Cardinals are looking for a guy that meshes well with Matheny's, you know, use of sabermetrics or, you know, what we understand his use of sabermetrics are. And I think part of that is, is kind of going along with what Matheny is trying to put out there. And if it's me, I'm thinking maybe somebody that's a little younger, something that somebody that's more close in tune with the game. If I had my way, um, I would probably say Chris Carpenter, but I don't think he's ready for a full-time role. But then again, I would probably, on a whim, see if John Farrell is maybe interested in, in being the pitching coach for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, Christian? Uh, well, I guess for me, I don't want to take away from Tito here, but I mean, Chris Carpenter, I, I would love to see Chris Carpenter as the pitching coach. Now, based on what everybody's been saying, based on the idea of sabermetrics, you know, I don't see Chris Carpenter as a sabermetric kind of guy. So, uh, taking from Dr. Miles' uh, article here, I actually thought that a, an interesting candidate was Brian Bannister from, from the Red Sox. I mean, he is, like you said, a very sabermetrics-heavy guy, and he's really well known for that. So, I mean, when I – when I heard that they were looking for a sabermetrics guy, that was one of the first names that came to my mind. So I think in, in that regard, that's the guy you would go for. Well, guys, we're out of time. 
thank you for joining us for the 34th episode of the official Redbird Rants podcast. Thank you, thank you to the both of you, and go Cardinals. Into running well here.